0: Hey, everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, Brazos Fellowship. So glad um, you could be with us and be a part of things. And... uh, and this is live, so if you just heard that huge thunder um, collapse, for the last one I've ever heard in here. But uh, we're so glad you're here and a part of things. My name is Sean, and I want to welcome you. I'm the executive pastor here at Braz's Fellowship. And it's my role um, to really work with each of the ministries to find out ways that we can say yes to all the incredible dreams and ideas they have to serve and to take care of uh, the people of Braz's Fellowship. It's a role that I really love doing. I've enjoyed it a lot. And today, Pastor Will has asked me to step in for him and And to uh, teach today. He's going to take this week off, which he's well deserved. He's been going nonstop since January, and so he's just taking a little break. But he's going to be back next week for a brand new series that we've called um, Simplify. And I think there's nothing better during this season when everything's upside down and there's so much unknown of finding ways we can just simplify our life, find out what's really important, holding on to that, making it better, and also letting go of some things we don't need to hold on to. So, hope you come and be a part of that. Well, this morning, I just want to start by asking you a simple little question. And that question is this, how are you doing? I mean, in the midst of this, we're four weeks into a lot of shelter in place, and so there's a lot going on. There's a lot of stress happening, there's a lot of anxiety out there, and I get it, and I understand. And I want you to know that we care because we understand that several of you are dealing with health issues, health issues for yourself or health issues for your family. Maybe your finances have gone completely upside down and you're wondering what you're gonna do and what this next season holds. And I totally understand the anxiety and the, and the fear that's surrounding that. Maybe some of you are dealing with family stress. Maybe this being connected so tightly, so intimately has caused some stresses to come about. And so we want you to know that we're here for you, for that. Or maybe you're experiencing isolation in a way you've never experienced it before. It's just maddening, the isolation that you're feeling. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I want you to know that you're not alone. Each and every one of us are dealing with our own crisis, our own things. And you need to know it's okay. There aren't anything, nothing's greater or smaller than the other. Each of us are dealing with it. So if you need prayer, I would love for you to reach out. You can do that um, if you're watching on our website or on Facebook. You can just tell us right now through the conversation that you need prayer, and we'd love to be praying for you. Also, if you need prayer throughout the week, you can go to our website, hit the prayer button on the homepage, and somebody will get with you, just contact you, and we just want you to know you're not alone, because guys, we're going to get through this, but we're going to get through it together. This morning, I want to start by asking a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't waste a crisis? You know, It's usually used in these day and age around politics or around the economy or with economics. And what they're trying to say in that moment is, guys, in every crisis, there's an opportunity, if we will look for it, to take advantage, to gain the upper hand. But see, that's not where the saying came from. It didn't come from politics and it didn't come from economy. Actually, the first time where we find it being used is in a medical journal in 1976. And there, the title of the article was called Don't Waste a Crisis for Yourself or for Your Patients. And in that crisis, and in that time, it says that because of the uniqueness of that crisis, we have an opportunity to really dive in and do some things for our health and for our well-being. And so in this critical time that we're in, this time of uncertainty, this time of unknown, maybe you're feeling a crisis. And I want to encourage you, maybe this is the season to work on some things you've never had time or you've never even known to work on before. Because when circumstances make us feel out of control, make us feel like the world is upside down, we begin to ask questions. We begin to wonder, is what we believe really foundational? Can it get me through this time? Was I wise in believing this? And it's time to ask some questions and to really wonder and unpack and find out, is this really what we need to know? Because in every crisis, there's an opportunity and an opportunity we can take advantage of. To look at this this morning, I want to look at the life of a gentleman by the name of John the Baptist. Now, John was very much like you and me. He had a rock-solid faith until the circumstances of his life made him start questioning and wondering about everything. Now, John... Um, He's a contemporary of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he was the cousin of Jesus. And before John was born, his parents were told that John would be a prophet, that God would speak into his life, and John would lead the people of Israel into a new spiritual awakening to prepare themselves for the Messiah. This was a powerful message, and people came from far and wide to hear John's message. And at the heart of this was that we need to look at our spiritual life, and we need to reclaim it. And clean ourselves up. And so he uh, had a thing of baptism to come and physically do what we were doing spiritually inside. And that's how he got the name. Well, Jesus came to John during this time. And Jesus himself was baptized by John. Not to clean up his sins, but to christen or to an out to announce the start of Jesus' public ministry. He chose to do it through John. And so the beautiful thing about John is that John did not, was not afraid to speak truth to power. Matter of fact, he did it all the time, and that's what got him in trouble. You see, the king of, of Israel at that time was Herod, and he was appointed by Rome. And Herod was an evil, wicked man. He was so evil that he killed his brother out of fear. And then he married his brother's wife. And so John saw this and he said, this is wrong, this is not good. So he spoke into to the people and he spoke to Herod and he said, you are doing an evil thing here. Well, this made Herod furious. And so he threw John into prison. And with John in prison is where we pick up the story. Now you think John's isolated. He's just been thrown into prison. He's sitting there wondering what the next phase of his life is going to be. He has some good friends that have been with him during this time. And they come to him and they're updating him on what's going on and what all's happening. And so we pick up the story over in Luke 7, verses 18 and 19. And there John, speaking to his disciples, says this. The disciples came to John the Baptist, telling John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord and asked, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we be keeping lookout for someone else? This seems like a pretty straightforward question. I mean, this is just the the outpouring of what John's responsibility was to do. I mean, he was to usher in the Messiah, so why wouldn't he ask, Jesus, are you the one that I've been preparing a way for? See, there's a problem with this. John already knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember, in that time whenever Jesus came to be baptized by John, God speaks in that moment and says, This is my son. John was there. He got to experience that. Also, we find later on in the story of John that he tells his own disciples that his voice And his crowds must become smaller so that the Messiah, Jesus' voice, can become larger and the crowds can move towards him. So you see, John already knew the answer to his question. So why is he asking it? I think for one simple reason John's experiencing something he's never experienced before, experiencing fear, he's experiencing isolation. And in that isolation and in that fear, he's starting to wonder did I pick the right person? Is Jesus really who I thought he was? Jesus, if you are who I thought you were, why aren't you doing the things that I would be doing, that I was doing? See, John's asking the same questions that you and I ask at times. And it's all because he's isolated. You see, isolation confines our faith, but frees our fear. Let me say that again. Isolation confines our faith, but it frees our fear. When we are isolated, our faith becomes small. It becomes so fragile. And our fear when we're isolated, it grows, it takes flight. It has so much power, we feel like. And I've read this story countless times. matter of fact, I've probably taught on this story. This is probably the fourth time I've taught on this story. But this is the first time that I've read this story that I was able to connect with John's isolation. I was able to experience just in a little way what John must have felt being in prison, being trapped away from everyone, being cut off from whatever he knew. And he was sitting there wondering and he didn't know what the answer was. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're, can you can relate to John. Maybe you feel that isolation, and that isolation is causing you to question, causing you to wonder. So John sends his disciples off to ask a question of Jesus that he already knows the answer to. The story goes on and says this, John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Have you asked that question? Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that I'm looking for? I mean, truth of the matter is we all ask this question. At some point in time, we have to wrestle with who is Jesus. And that's what John is doing. John's wrestling with who is Jesus. And for some of us, we've wrestled with that and we've decided that, yes, Jesus is everything everything that I need and I trust in him and then others of us have rejected Jesus and don't really feel that he has anything for us but we all have to wrestle with this question we all have to wonder about this question and in times of crisis in times of uncertainty just like John this question keeps creeping back in this question keeps coming back up did I write make the right call Did, was I wise in choosing to follow Jesus? Because I'm not seeing him in this crisis. But I think also we're afraid to share that. We're afraid to tell people that we're wrestling with it, especially if we live in a faith community, if we're around people of faith, we struggle with that. I think we struggle because number one, we're afraid of what the answer might be. But number two, we also struggle because we're afraid if we ask and tell people we're, we're questioning our faith, we're wrestling with our faith, that our family and our friends will look at us differently. And maybe we're just afraid because we feel like we're asking a question to someone who's not there. If that's you today, I want you to know you've got the ability to ask questions. You should be asking questions. You should be diving in. This is a pivotal question we all need to wrestle with, and in the midst of a crisis, this is a perfect time to ask that question. Because here's the deal. Jesus doesn't fear our questions, so why should we? Jesus doesn't fear our questions, so why should we? Jesus was asked questions all the time. Every day he walked the face of this earth, he was asked questions by people who loved him and by people who wanted to harm him. He was asked questions to explain the parables that he taught. He was asked to make judgments on people that were caught in sin. And he was asked time and time again, Jesus, are you the Messiah? But here's the thing. Jesus also liked to ask questions. And his favorite question to ask is, Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? So in this season, please ask Jesus questions. He loves them. He loves a good conversation with us. He enjoys it so much. But be prepared, because Jesus will have a few questions of his own. Jesus answers the disciples of John. and He says this. Then he told John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have seen. And heard. The blind see, the lame walk, and those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is, be- is being preached to the poor. You know, this is one of those questions that seems pretty straightforward, but yet Jesus doesn't give a straightforward answer. I mean, all you have to do to just is say yes or no. It's not that complicated. You see, Jesus isn't just answering John's questions. He's renewing John's faith. You see, John was an educated man. John knew the Hebrew scriptures. He had read everything and memorized everything that was said about the Messiah. He knew what was supposed to happen in the Messiah. So when Jesus says this, he's not rattling off everything that he's doing. He's actually reminding John of everything the great prophet Isaiah said, the Messiah we do we find over in isaiah 35 5 through 6 it says this and when he comes speaking of the messiah he will open the eyes of the blind unplug the ears of the deaf and the lame will leap like deer and those who cannot speak will sing for joy you see jesus meets our expectations with actions and not words i'll say it again jesus meets our expectations with actions and not words and so we're, we're struggling when we're looking for answers. We need to look to see what God is doing. And guys, in the middle of this, in the middle of this crisis that we're in, in the middle of us being shut off and being separated from each other, God is working in huge ways. What frontline workers are doing, what they're putting their, wife, their livelihood and their families at risk for to help and love others is amazing. amazing what friends and family are doing, what neighbors who don't really know each other are going out of their way to take care of and provide for people in their neighborhood. God is working in powerful ways in this moment. He's doing big things. He's doing small things. We just have to have the courage to open up our eyes and see what He's doing because He will show us through actions, not just through words. He will back up who He says He is if we will just look. And then Jesus gives this final uh, statement to John's disciples and says this, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. See, it's in this statement that John gets to the heart, I mean that Jesus gets to the heart of John's question. And he gets to the heart of the question that you and I have in this moment. Because John is asking, what about me, Jesus? You see, John is in prison for doing the right thing. He stepped up, he's spoken into power, he's spoken into evil, and he said, that is wrong. And he's been rewarded by it, by being put into prison. He's been rewarded by it for not seeing that Jesus is coming to rescue him. He's scared, he's isolated, and he's alone. He's saying, what about me, And here's the deal. There is no last-minute rescue for John. If you continue reading the story of John's life, his life ends as the plaything to an evil queen. So I don't know how John responded to Jesus' statement. But I do know how so many others have responded. Because I need you to hear this. People of faith don't always get what they want. The answer to their prayer is no sometimes. But that answer, as painful as it is, has caused them to lean in and not lean out. In those moments of pain and sorrow and struggle and hurt and fear, when they don't get what they want, they've leaned in instead of leaning out. And when that happens, we find that John, Jesus continued to stay with John like he continues to stay with us. He walks beside us in those moments of no, giving us the strength and the courage to move on, to cope, to make it through. Jesus is with us. See, Jesus' blessings are always what we need, but not always what we want. I need you to hear that. Because so many times we think that Christianity is our ticket to everything. And it's not always the way we think it's going to be. But Jesus always blesses us with what we need, but not always what we want. You know, whenever a dream comes to an end, when a loved one dies, when a family turmoil comes about, when a career comes to an end, It's painful, it's difficult, it's hard. We're filled with tons of emotions. And what seems like the most loving thing to do would be able to end the crisis as quickly as possible, to make the pain go away as soon as possible. But maybe that's not really the loving thing to do. Maybe God knows that we need time to mourn that season in our life. We need time to adjust To the new world we find ourselves in. We need time to cry and to hurt and get to know and, and, and realize the end of that thing. You see, God gives us that time. God gives us that. It's His greatest gift to us that He doesn't rush us through these seasons, but He walks with us in these seasons. You see, the greatest miracle we may ever experience. Is the gift of time to mourn. And he gives that to us. So in those moments, when the pain does not automatically go away, God has not left us. He's right there beside us. He's beside us each and every day, experiencing what we're experiencing and walking along with us. And when these crises come and when these times come, we've got an opportunity right here like no other to stop and check and see what is our foundation built on? What do we really believe? And are those beliefs strong enough to carry us through the uncertainty and through the unknown of our day? To do that though, we need to ask a couple of questions. And so in every, in every crisis, there's these questions that we need to ask. The first one is this. Can I trust God in this crisis? can I trust God in this crisis? And I don't care how many crises you've gone through with God. Every crisis is unique. Every crisis has its own set of circumstances. Every crisis gives you the the opportunity to ask, can I trust God in this moment? But trusting God is just like trusting everyone else. We can only trust who we know. We can only believe in who we've seen can carry us through that. Who's strong enough, who's good enough, Who's capable enough? And so we need to find out is God really good? And does he really care about me? Because if I don't know the answer to this, then I'll never know the answer if can I trust God in this moment. So the second question we need to ask is, Is God good? Because this is the fundamental question. It's the question that impacts each and every one of us during these seasons. It's the question that comes to us in the middle of the night. Is God good? Because from your standpoint, it's hard to see his goodness when you're going through a crisis. It's hard to see that he's swooping in and he's changing things. It's hard to see that he's taking care of the situation the way you would take care of it. And so, therefore, it is hard to believe, is God good? This is the question we've got to wrestle with. And when we wrestle with this question, the faith of our family, the faith of our friends, the faith of our co-workers, the faith of our parents cannot answer this question for us. It is a personal question. And for too long, Too many of us have called ourselves believers in Christ but we've been using the faith of our friends and our family and we haven't built our own. And in this crisis, it's time for you to build your own faith. It's time for you to find out, can you trust God? Because I cannot answer that question for you and neither can anyone else. Only you can answer that question and you do that by spending time with God. By opening up the Bible and and reading through and finding out who God really is. Having long conversations with Him. Coming to learn that He is good. Coming to learn that He cares. Coming to learn that He's with us in the midst of the crisis in ways we never could have imagined. But only you can find the answer to this question if you really want to have a faith in God. And if you will do this if you will search for yourself, if you will find the time to be with God and learn his goodness, then I think you'll be so happy with what you find. I think you'll be overjoyed with what you realize. I think you will find that you really can build your life on the goodness of God. And when we do that, we then get led to the third question. Does God love me? Does God love me? love me. Because truthfully, God can be good and not love me. I mean, I struggle with loving myself. So how could a good God love me? It's a valid question. And all I have to say is, go read the Easter story. We just celebrated it last week. Because in the Easter story, we find a love story. God's love to you and to me. And it's so beautiful. He does everything for us. He cares for us. Jesus even says no greater love than this than a man laid down his life for his friend. Jesus says, I love you by dying on the cross for you for taking away your sins for making it so that you can have a perfect relationship with a God who loves you because they love you and if you've done this if you've studied this and you still are saying i understand that god loves people and i understand that god loves the world but i don't think god could love me i've done too much my past is too um, check checked i think too evil thoughts if that's what you're thinking, if that's what you're believing, I want you to know that's the most arrogant thing you can think. And I'll unpack that a little bit here. I'm not trying to be crass, but I do want you to see the depths of what you're doing right there. In that moment, you're saying, I know what God, who God can love better than God. You're setting yourself outside of God's love because you believe you get to choose who God loves. God can't even choose who you love. So why do you think you can choose who the God of the universe can love? Guys, I want you to know that if you've been told before that God doesn't love you because of something you've done in your past, something you're experiencing right now, I want you to know that is a lie you have been lied to. God loves you deeply and profoundly Everything that he does is to show his love for you and for me. He wants us to be able to be assured in it, to rest in it. And when we do, we find the peace that so many people talk about. They find in Jesus because they know that they are loved and they know that he is good. And when we find the answer to this question, we then get the answer to the first question. Of course, we can trust God in this crisis because he is good and he loves us that's the work we need to do that's what we need to find out for ourselves. that's the foundation we need to build upon because once we have assured foundations once the cracks have been filled our relationship with God can elevate it can elevate into places we never could have imagined it can elevate to a place where our eyes are open and we see that God is right beside us it can elevate so we know that we're not alone because he is with us When we elevate our relationship with God, our ears are open and we hear God's voice and it drowns out all of our fear. When we elevate our relationship with God, we have the strength to move into his presence and leave our past behind. God. He's calling us into a greater relationship with us during this crisis. He's calling us to let us see that he is good and he can be trusted and we can build our foundation on him and he can take care of us in this crisis and all the crises to come. And when we do that, we'll learn that God isn't somewhere we need to search for in this crisis. He's right here beside us. We'll learn that we can praise God on top of the mountain and we can praise God with the mountains in our way. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know that God wants to go through it with you if you'll just let Him, if you'll just believe in Him. Let's not waste this crisis. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services.